Hello and welcome back to the Lack of Depth Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Began, and in today's podcast slash bite-sized podcast slash YouTube video that you can also just listen to on Spotify, I will be covering the performance of uh, my Sky Fantasy football team so far in game week four and specifically focusing on why it could be viewed as a failure, but why Gary Neville always says failure is a bruise, not a tattoo. <laughs> so uh, just as a quick summary of our performance, if you've not been following my journey so far, since week one, I've been, after week one, I was at around 8K overall, uh, top of my leaderboard. And then after week two, I was around 7K overall. And then after week three, I was around 4K overall. So steady improvement. I'm, I was tied at the end of last week for top spot in my mini league. Everything was going well. I have dropped slightly from 4K overall to now be at 36K overall. And in today's video, I'm going to touch on why. And not to spoil the ending, but why that's okay. Ish. Slash why I'm not that upset about it. Do you know what I mean? Fear is a bruise, not a tattoo. I said that already. So yeah, to get into wait, no, sorry, I need to move over. So the player goes there, I go this way. I think. Um first up we have Ramsdale. What can I say about Ramsdale? I feel like they got super unlucky, but also they were quite lucky to win as well. All of the goals were kind of bobbling around. That being said, if, if we're talking about it in a strategic point of view, unluckily conceding goals because one player takes like just a millisecond too long on the ball and kind of misunderstands just how strong Rep, um, Mitrovic is in terms of how he can shrug Gabriel um, away and finish the ball. Mitrovic obviously has started this season amazingly. He should be very proud. Of, he should be very proud of himself. That's coming from me. See, that's heartfelt. But um. Yeah, I I think I think Ramsdale stays. I've 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 already I've had the strategy of I'm going to keep Ramsdale until game week six or seven. Do the Henderson and out strategy to get some money freed up, and once that money is freed up, then I'll do some edits with my outfield team as well because that's the end of the Spurs run of good fixtures as well. And spoiler for later, we we may be looking at taking Son out. I just look, I'll put the end score of the poll here because the poll will be done. But during the game, Son looked so, so uninspired. Like so uninspired, so flat footed, so threatless. After the game, I just had to look it up because I wanted to know because some players have just turned up this season and looked really up for it. And I didn't feel Son was that one. So I, I looked, I went on FB ref and looked up the expected goals table of the Premier League so far. And Son's 25th. And he's behind Kane. Obvious, like, he's behind Kane. He's behind Mitrovic, Zaha, Sterling, Gross, Jesus, Nunes, Firmino, Diaz, Gordon, Mbuemo, March, Tony, Buendia, Gray, Gundogan, Callum Wilson, Brendan Aronson, Bruno Fernandes, Italiano, Martinelli. Haaland's first. Salah's fourth. So all of these people are in the top five or six. And they cost the same amount of Son, who's 25th. 
who currently sits behind players like Solly March, Vitaly Yanel, and Anthony Gordon for 11.3 million. I just don't know if I can continue to allocate that amount of funds. It's another month, but I don't have any... Having Son and Kane and Jesus and Salah means that in defence, I only have Cancelo and I don't have any Liverpool coverage. And if they're going to start keeping clean sheets and my only competitive advantage is that I'm the only one with Kane and Son and they've all got Haaland, who's just scored, do you mean, four goals in a millisecond, you might be a little bit worried. I'm a little bit worried. So yeah, I'm I'm thinking of bringing forward that shuffle because Son looks so without threat. Kulisewski looks so much better than him. Uh, and that's like just for assists, he looks better. Neither of them look that likely to score at any moment. Actually, Kulisewski probably could have scored today as well. So that's me like bigging up Son probably arguably more than he deserves to be. But to continue with my back line, I've then got Dyer, uh, pretty solid today. Good enough, happy with, roughly. Um, they kept a clean sheet. I, I, I don't think I want to go double Spurs again. So I think I might be taking Dyer out for Romero when he's fit again because Romero is cheaper. Because I just I, I don't want to hang my hat on that defense. I think Arsenal look le- less likely to concede than Spurs do. I just think it's the way they're playing in the attack and allowing people to attack them. Obviously, it's deliberate from Conte. He he wants that to happen. But I don't think any club really wants Nottingham Forest to look that likely to score against them. Especially when, you know I mean, their fans are talking about them shooting from top four and, and trying to win and all this stuff. If I just look at the stats from the match, bearing in mind this is against... A, a Forest team who are relegation candidates. Like, every promoted team. I really like uh, Nottingham Forest. I'd like them to stay up. But every promoted team's an, a relegation t- uh, candidate, especially four weeks in, especially when they make 15 transfers. Subs, sorry, whatever they're called. <laughs> yeah, transfers. And I suppose an expected goals of 0.93 isn't that bad. And I sat here last season and complimented about how well... They were able to turn shots into block shots that had an incredibly low expected goal just from packing that box so much against Man City. But is that how you want to see your team play against Man City? Play against Nottingham? I'm not sure. I'm also not sure if... It just doesn't feel secure. I don't feel secure in it, but maybe I just don't know enough about football to really decipher it. They only only managed... And expected goals of 0.93. But Nottingham Forest managed to take 17 shots against them. And I just feel like one of them goes in another day. If you're conceding 17 shots against someone who's a candidate to finish bottom of the league, how many shots are you conceding against everyone else? I was disappointed with how the defence performed against Chelsea as well. And so I no, after learning from these game weeks, I no longer believe that Romero or Dyer are necessarily set and forget. Not saying that any player is. But at Romero's price, I definitely thought he was set and forget. But if they had a really tough run of games in the second half of the season, I'd probably expect them to concede in every single one. That being said, I still do expect them to be good enough to keep clean sheets in games like these, and they did. So I I don't really have any pressing need to get rid of Dyer at the moment. 
Moving on to Cancelo, and I'll get at this when I make my my, my um, stocks rising, stocks falling podcast later on, but Cancelo's attacking threat hasn't looked equal to seasons gone before. And obviously Pep's trying to play with more width and through Haaland and things like this and the way that the team is kind of structuring is slightly different. And and that's fair. That's like tactics have to evolve, especially when the whole league's waiting to see what you do next. And it's just going to try and counter it and drop back and interrupt passing lanes and stuff like that. But Cancelo's one of the most expensive players in the game. And so kind of in line with Son, I'm tempted. I'm tempted to move him out for Walker to free up some cash. It does feel like tempting fate, but think of all the monies I could have if I did that. Because, say I did, if I do Cancelo to Walker, who have both started every game so far, and Cancelo has a backup, so he would move over to the right. So, like, they're equally... I'm not, I'm not sure if they're equally likely to be rotated, but they're both started every game so far. If anything, Walker's slightly more likely to get rotated. I do accept that risk. But Walker is also two million less. And if I bring Walker in for Cancelo, I can turn what is currently an underperforming Cancelo and an underperforming Son into a soaring Haaland with the highest XG in the league. And a Walker who's equaling Cancelo's points every week. Cancelo has got an assist, right? He's got one assist this season from unexpected assists that's lower than Rico Henry's, <laughs> right? Rico Henry's a great player, don't get me wrong, but when you play for Man City and you're like, last season you were the second most creative player in that team, you, you're you expecting a little bit more than, than, than what Rico Henry can put together for Brentford in a relatively tough run of fixtures at the very, very beginning of the season, albeit their fixtures have no turn. But just... Just just here to make points, you know what I mean? It's a football podcast, just hear me out. But yeah, so... Uh, yeah, like I was saying, Walker hasn't got an assist. Cancelo has, and Walker's only got one point less than him in the season so far. Through his, his various tackling and passing means. He's, he's bonusing. And so I just, I just wanted to bring that up in this in this team thing, because I, I do like to be transparent with my thought about my team, uh, even though there are now 30,000 of you that are ranked above me and ultimately I'm praying on the downfall of. If you own Haaland, feel free to dislike the video right now. Please don't do that. <laughs> um, then I've got Saliba, who looks like the best player in Sky Fantasy Football history. They lost. They lost this game. No, they didn't lose this game. Sorry, let me start again. They won this game but they conceded, right? Which is the main way that defenders get points. I've said that umpteen times in the channel already. They conceded. Guess how many points you would expect normally from a 7.4 million player in a loss? Sweet F all. Sweet bleep all. Nothing. <laughs> you would expect absolutely nothing. And so Saliba getting eight points, albeit the assist is lucky, but you'd love five. Never mind eight. This guy, this guy's a joke. And if you don't own Saliba, make a plan or something. Do some tomfoolery around the the uh, forest fixtures that I never shut up about if you have to. Or even this double game week. Take him out for someone before Arsenal play their second match. Just 
I want to say roll the dice, but it's not even a dice roll. He just looks amazing. He's the best. I've said I say this in every single video. He's the best one on one defender. But you can tell that um, Arteta trusts him, and he's he's it's not Gabriel. He's the one anchoring the defense. If you look at them and how they structure their build up play, he's the one dropping slightly deeper. The same way that uh, uh, Diaz, the same way that Van Dijk does. Sorry, I can't sit in the middle because of the thing. The same way that Van Dijk does at Liverpool. And I'm not saying he's of the quality of Van Dijk. I'm saying that that entire back line trusts him. That manager trusts him. You can see that in the way they're building up. You can see that in how they approach every single match, every single play, every single playing out from the back, every long ball, every corner. They trust him to defend as much as, if not more than they trust every other member in that back line. And that is so important for Synergy and he seems to have a great working rela- working relationship. He seems to have a great working relationship with Ben White outside him. Ben White has, has thrived in that right-back role, and it allows them to do these kind of tactically flexible, inverted wing-back things that you can see are really key to what Arteta wants to achieve this season. And so I'd be absolutely shocked if Saliba didn't become one of their highest minutes played players of the season. He's also young, which generally means a quicker recovery time. I don't know his injury history, but he certainly wasn't injured last season when he won young player of the season in League One. And so, yeah, I, I rant about Saliba every week, so I'm going to move on now. But once again, I'm happy with that. In fact, I'm blown away with that. He, he continues to put a smile on my face and one sec it's logged me out of my app so I can't actually see the team I'm about to talk to. I know who the player is, it's Kukurea, but just bear with me. What do I think about Kukurea this week? So Kukurea got an assist, right? Which is good enough. And I guess the goal they conceded was kind of like unlucky and bad goalkeeping. But Mendy also got saves tears, which means they were conceding enough shots I don't know. It's hard for me to say things like, oh, it's not a defence as good as City's or Liverpool's when Liverpool haven't kept a clean sheet in weeks and City conceded two goals by half-time against Palace. But I was expecting that to be a tough game. And Leicester are on form for their manager to be sacked immediately. And so not being able to keep a clean sheet there is just disappointing. Albeit for 8.2 million, I'll take a five-pointer. <laughs> but when that was kind of my differentials in the mini-league, I'm sure you've all been in this position. They've all got Van Dyke hoping he does something. You've got Kukurea hoping to claw something back. Van Dyke scores the goal, gets the clean sheet, gets 17 points. Kukurea gets three points, and you're thinking, he's just warming up, and then he cools down almost immediately. So, yeah, I, I, w- I would say it's not all dubs for Chelsea defence. I'd be careful. And I've got Koulibaly in my B team, and I don't know if I want to invest that amount of money in the Chelsea defence. But passes tears, smashes tears. Kukurea has still not played left centre back yet, so we have to see how that works once he and Chilwell play together. Or if Chilwell's just going to come in and, and take his spot. But for right now, the only I only need, and I'm only praying for Kukurea to play in two days or three days or whenever. I think it's Wednesday. If Kukurea plays Wednesday and they keep a clean sheet when I need to captain him and he gets, let's say, an assist, let's say a passing tier, I'll come on this podcast next week and cry with joy. He will have done his job. I'll be close to being the top nine-inch male. It'll be 
do you know what I mean? The closest thing you can get to euphoria in Sky Fantasy Football. So yeah, that's the back line. Is it changing anytime soon? Uh, apart, apart from Cancelo, I'm not thinking about changing anyone unless Kukurea gets dropped. That's just the truth. And then to move into the midfield, Son. The word I used earlier was uninspired. They, along with Wolves, I would describe Son's eye test as similar to a Wolves eye test and that it was deflating. <laughs> um, You can tell he's frustrated from the way things are going, but it's just not as fluid. The counter-attacks aren't coming the way they're coming, but I do still firmly believe that if Tottenham are going to get this to go, if they're going to start pumping teams 5-0, that Son has to be at the forefront of that. You're not going to beat a team 5 now when Harry Kane scores all five goals. Son has to be getting in, be getting in behind and touching the ball down with more than just an elbow that you slamming it down with behind him. He looks flustered when he's on his ball. You can tell that there's an expectation on him after last season, and I'm not sure he's handled it the best so far. But Conte is normally a good man-manager, especially with people who work as hard as Son does. And so I'm hoping that he can turn it around because I don't want to use the transfer to go to Diaz this week. I don't want to use it so soon. I do want to see Son play again, but I'm he's not even nailed anymore. He's the first player they're taking off. And for good reason, Kulisevsky looks way more effective than him this season. And Richarlison, although he is a genuine, I would have to bleep out things to say, although he is a, a wind-up, <laughs> although Richarlison is a wind-up, as they say, um, he's more effective than him. And so if, if if Spurs have a run of difficult games or a run of intense games or just a run of games from here until, until Christmas that are compact and need rotation anyway, Son's going to miss whole matches. And, 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 and they could be matches that they need their best players in and they could even... There's there's a day soon where Conte feels like on a Wednesday, you know what, Son doesn't play and we'll be fine. And that is worrying as a Son owner because he costs nearly 12 million. So yeah, my current advice, what are the things? It's like buy, sell, hold, which is the fuck, marry, kill equivalent of being in love with fantasy football players. My buy for Son is no. My hold for Son is I'm, I'm giving him a week and if he needs to take like a good shot next week or something, <laughs> and then my sell is like if you have more transfers than me, maybe. But right now, my only differential benefit against the people who are top of my league is that I've used less transfers, and so I don't really want to start burning through them when Son has the fixtures coming up that he does. Because Son's next, Son's next fixture is West Ham. I mean, they have started the season badly, but I don't think any of us are expecting them to get like four goals there. Well, Son's next fixture is a, you know what I mean? Anything can happen in a London derby. And so, is he at home? No, he's away. Um, I am nervous. <laughs> uh, I am nervous. And then Fulham have looked good this season so far as well. But hopefully Son scores against them before I have to, you know what I mean, remove everyone and just kind of let out a, a single tier. Next, Bubakar Kamara got passes, tiers again. Is he a good pick? Yes. Is he a boring pick? Yes. Do I still love him? Yes. Are there worrying things like 
Gerard changing the system because they're playing so badly. Kind of no, because I don't believe Gerard has the tactical dexterity to change a system on his own. And I'm not saying that just to slander the man. He has played this since he started his managerial career. This is what Gerard does. And Michael Beale, who was the one who normally adjusted the systems, has now left. And so I'm expecting it to stay like this, good, bad, or ugly, which is good for us who have uh, Kamara making all the last row passes in the middle of that midfield. Also got tackles tier two last week. So, you know what I mean? Hold on to him for that reason, if nothing else. And yeah, my main my main issue is that the next two the next two fixtures are very good for tackles tiers, but are terrible for passing uh, passing tiers. Leicester's not great for passing tiers, great for tackles tiers. Leicester's like Villa v Leicester's like a proper bottom of the table battle. But yeah, um, I'm just scared Gerard gets sacked and then they do something else. I suppose that's the kind of bridge that you have to bridge at the time. <laughs> that's the kind of issue you have to uh, approach approach when it's handed to you. A hand you approach when it's a bridge. You cross that bridge when you will cross that bridge when we come to it. That's what I'm thinking about Bubakar Kamara. Great for now. Jao Paulinha, I think I'll keep him the whole season. Tackle steers gets tackle tears. Even if he gets an early yellow, he normally gets tackle steers which is great. He's a stout at corners. I'm encouraged by his performance always. He got... The only thing that we are always aware of as Paulinho honours is that he will probably miss a game every five or six matches from how many yellow cards he picks up because he's played what? Against Liverpool, he didn't get a yellow card, but he got passes tackles tier two. He got a yellow card against Wolves and nothing else. He got a yellow card, a goal in tackles tier one against Brentford, and he got a yellow card in tackles tier two against... Arsenal and so he's not just a one trick pony he also picks up the cards as well and so you got to take the good with the bad in everyone because no one is just a good player or a bad player they're all both I'm going to cut that out that's the most fucking ridiculous thing I've ever said in my life moving on Salah what can I say about Salah this game week that no one else has said on Twitter he didn't score but he scored nine goals I also captained him it was incredible. I also didn't own Haaland, so I didn't get to enjoy anything on Saturday. It ruined my family lunch. Um, what else can I say? I was um, abused in the football group chat for being a burger and not being good at the game and having a fantasy football podcast and captaining Salah in a 9 win and he not, doesn't score. He also missed a few sitters. Um... Salah's XG is still top five, still higher than any other Liverpool player. Liverpool seem to have turned a corner, and so ultimately that's a positive because I do feel okay about holding them, and I don't want to use that many transfers. And so my takeaway from this week is that it's good that Liverpool are scoring goals again, and inevitably, just from the positions he was able to get in today, Salah will put some more away next week. And so my advice for Salah is buy... I would Don't buy, hold... Because I would buy Diaz instead of Salah right now. Just I think form is form is not the most important thing. Fixtures are the most important thing, but second is form. And then um, that's just my opinion. So I wouldn't buy, but I'd hold and I wouldn't sell. That's my advice on Salah because his next fixtures are Newcastle, Everton, Wolves, Chelsea's not great, Brighton isn't great, Arsenal isn't great, City isn't great, West Ham isn't great. There is a perfect argument. For keeping Salah for Newcastle, 
my loyal listeners, I'm giving you, I'm spitting some straight facts right now. Until I, I don't, until the 10th of the 9th, so the 10th of September, Salah has Everton, no, Salah has just had Bournemouth completely blanked against them. Then he has Newcastle next. Then he has Everton. Then he has Wolves. And then he has five game week run of Chelsea, Brighton, Arsenal, City, West Ham. And so there is an argument to be made if I just go to look at Man City's fixtures in that time, in that time that they have, uh, that um, Salah has them, Cancelo has, so obviously the first three Cancelo has immediately don't matter. And then it becomes Wolves, Man U, who I think Haaland could probably score against, uh, Southampton, who they could score nine against, Liverpool, who you, you can't predict that fixture either way. Arsenal, who I think Haaland could score against, but I do think they're a great defence. I also think Arsenal could win that game. Then it goes like Brighton, Leicester, so on and so on and so on. And so there is an argument there that that is a point where you could possibly um, switch from Salah to... Uh, where you could possibly switch from Salah to Haaland. I'm just going to go look and see if there is a hop-on point that week. There isn't. Is there a hop-on point the week before? No. So you would have to just do a flat transfer from... Hmm, is there a hop-on in game week 8? Game week 8 doesn't exist. So, what do you guys say? Just hear me out. What do you guys say game week nine? Liverpool play Brighton on Saturday. We all let them play. Let our Salas play, does his little dance. And then we take Salah and turn him into Haaland for Sunday. And Salah and Haaland plays Man U, but we've already got the Salah points. And then the next week. We have Haaland playing Southampton and we don't have Salah who's playing away at Arsenal. But what is also true in this little two-for-one situation is that you could then use another transfer, kind of like the Kane-Salah rotation I was talking about earlier. You could then use another transfer. You could then use another transfer to swap Haaland back to Salah for the Sunday because Haaland then plays in the Saturday against Southampton and Salah plays in the Sunday against Arsenal. So there's a there's a two for two there's a three for two there's some there's an op, there's a four for two opportunity there. Two for one I guess would be the way that if you divided it down. The only other thing I will say is that someone else on Twitter will have definitely noticed this before and I just haven't seen it and so I'm realizing it now live on camera and so I'd either look like a fool to you or I've said something helpful but yeah watch out for a game week nine rotation opportunity where you can have both Haaland and Salah in the same spot for two game weeks and then after that we can see how they play and then maybe keep one or adjust their teams so yeah look out for that that's my thoughts on Salah uh Jesus 
I think Jesus looked a lot more like he could have scored goals against Bournemouth, to be honest. I think Bournemouth are fundamentally looked like an easier team to score against. Not just saying that because they've already conceded nine. But I think Bournemouth and I predicted this. Did I? No. Yeah, kind of. I, I thought Bournemouth would come up and try and play football, which they kind of haven't. So that's wrong. I also predicted Fulham would come up and try and play football, which they kind of have. So that was sort of right. And I predicted that Nottingham Forest wouldn't come up and try and play football because of the tac tactical dexterity and intelligence of their manager. And that is kind of right and kind of wrong because the manager is really smart, but he hasn't changed it at all. And so how smart really is he? Do you know what I mean? Because they didn't, they didn't go direct at all against Tottenham. They very much played into Tottenham's counter-attacking hands. And although Tottenham made them look like Man City, I don't think, I don't think anyone thought Nottingham Forest were going to score. Really? And the only reason why it wasn't three now is because Nottingham Forest did a hand of God on the line. So yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd be slightly worried if I was a Forest fan. Maybe just a tiny bit. I know a Forest fan watches some of the videos and so um, thank you very much for watching. Let me know what you think about the way that you've approached the league in comparison to Fulham and Bournemouth, who I still think will finish below you. I, I predicted Nottingham Forest to finish above Fulham. And although we've not said any, seen enough football to say anything decisive, I would now maybe flip that round. I think Fulham have looked better since league starts started and 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 then both Palinha and Mitrovic look terrifyingly good. Maybe Mitrovic looks terrifyingly good. And Palinha just looks okay. <laughs> um and then lastly, Kane, a lowly Kane owner. What can I say about my thoughts and feelings? They're hurt. Oh, I, I screamed when he missed the penalty. Oh, he did score again later, but it never really made up for it because then you were just thinking, oh, it could have been a hat trick. It just wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to 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 offset. It was it was a nice the kind of teaspoon of sugar to go down with the like bottles and bottles of medicine that I had to take yesterday. <laughs> but um yeah. Uh as as I've learned from owning Kane, uh having a fantasy football podcast does not make you immune from being shit at the game. <laughs> and uh yeah, I guess that's it. Um I was impressed with Kane's performance. Kane looks lively. He looks back to his best. He'll be fighting for the golden boot this season. You want to have him. Son just kind of hasn't turned up yet. Isn't looking like uh, the kind of... He's not even looking like the second fiddle. He's looking like the third violin. And so that's what's worrying me the most. And then if you include Richarlison, you could even make an argument that Son, that Son has looked like the fourth violin. The, the cello or something kind of sad and, and, and low in its pitch like that. And you can see it in his face. Like he's, he, he doesn't seem, he seemed quite frustrated by the, the, the football or, or lack of football that he's trying to play at the moment. And so, yeah, uh, keep an eye on Son. I don't think I need to do a ton of eye tests of Kane to go. I'm not even sure if I watch Son play because it's just that heartbreaking. 
I think next week I've got to watch Leeds because uh, in last week's video, I thought Pascal Schrick was playing centre-back and making lots of challenges, but it turns out he's playing left-back. And that makes like literally way more sense with his stats and his outfit. <laughs> but um, yeah, sorry, I say but um, too much. That's just when I'm, at, I'm waiting for my ADHD brain. ADHD, ADHD brain to like sit down and chat to me again. But yeah, I did it again. That's us. That's the end of this week's video. I'm going to move back into the thing. Thank you guys so, so much. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe and check out my er, lack of depth Twitter. Uh, if you like uh, polls and just like general complaints about the performance of Spurs and the fact that you thought they were going to do better and you're frustrated by owning like nine of them. So yeah, speak to you guys soon. Hugs and kisses. Kyle.